Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning service. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. church. It's good to be here all the way from Washington over here in La La Land. Is that what they call it? La La Land. Amen. I was born and raised here. I was raised in San Fernando Valley and got saved in Sun Valley, California at a praise chapel. So I'm homegrown. Amen. Homegrown. And I just want to say that I am so blessed by this fellowship. You know, Praise Chapel has hundreds of churches all over the world. But one of the things that I'm so blessed about is the opportunity that God gives us. He, I mean, through this fellowship, I mean, I am so blessed by this worship team. How many are blessed by this worship team? Amen. It's amazing. You know, but I think, for, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, I know a lot of them here learned here in church. Some of them didn't even pick up the, they didn't even pick up the uh, guitar. I mean, man, Pastor's son here, what a beautiful voice, amen, what a beautiful anointing. And, and that just as they're singing, you know, they, they learned here in church. And this fellowship, this church gives them an opportunity to be who God's called them to be. Isn't that awesome? I mean, what a, what a privilege. And here you're looking at an ex-drug addict. When I, got, when I came to church, when I came to church for the first time, it was in Paramount Elementary. I was invited to a conference, to a, uh, to a praise chapel conference. I had no idea. I was Catholic. I wasn't even Catholic. You know what I'm saying? I was, you know, I just went to church to check out the chicks. But anyways, and, and you know, and play with the holy water. But, in, but you know, it was just like, it was, it was crazy, you know, just going to this one church. Uh, it was like a church. It was a conference, Paramount Elementary. And, and I was just so uh, blown away that I, I, I had no idea because I didn't want to go to church because I was afraid. What's going to happen in church? How am I going to do it? I don't know when to, you know, because when you go to Catholic church, you have to know when to kneel, when to sit down, and then when to say those phrases. And also with you. See, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. But it's okay. But I remember that time when I came to the Lord, you know, and I didn't know anything the preacher was talking about. He was some guy from Oklahoma. He had a weird draw, you know, and he didn't sound like my people. Come on now, you know. And But when he pulled that altar call, I knew for, for a fact that I needed to be saved. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ at a Bible conference. I mean, come on, I was the only one that raised my hand. <laughs> he said this, okay, at the altar call, everybody bow their heads, close their eyes. And then he says, anybody need Jesus? And I'm like, yeah, duh, you know? And then I opened my eye, and I was the only one who had my hand up. You know what I'm saying? So I was cornered. Something like about 250 people in that auditorium. But I am so glad. And I wanted to hide, and I sat there. And then he goes, okay, you who rose your hand. I went, he didn't see me. You in the red shirt that really, I'm like, oh man. So I looked to my side and there was this guy, I never forget, Rudy Romo, one of the, uh, one of the uh, ushers, and he had a teardrop, you know, I think a couple of teardrops. So you know what that means, okay? So, you know, I guess he was out of prison. So I got up real quick. Okay, bro, I'm coming. <laughs> Amen. But when I gave my life to the Lord, I gave my life to the Lord. I was about 17 years old. Amen. And I just thank God. Thank God. 
for the opportunity in church, being raised up in church, been there for about seven, almost going on eight years, got married there, and then got launched over to Everett, Washington. Amen. Because of the opportunity, you know, the fellowship gives us. I've been up there 28 years ministering the gospel. Same church. We've planted 15 churches because we don't know what else to do, right? Amen. We just plant churches. Amen. And all those people, either those that are implanted in Israel, in to Fiji, into Samoa, into Alaska, all got saved in our ministry. You know, and it's amazing because we're part of a beautiful fellowship. Amen. So this is, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't limit what God has for you. Don't limit what, the great things that God has. Amen. So we're going to go into God's word. And, but first of all, I want to just say this as we get into, we're going to be going over to Luke chapter 15, starting at uh, verse 1 through 7. Um, the timer hasn't went on, so I'm, I'm cool. Amen. So I guess uh, we can just hang out till we're hungry. Come on. <laughs> that was a short sermon. All right. Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 1, we'll go there. But I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't care how professional we can get. As a pastor so many years... I realize something. We need the Holy Spirit. I realize it all the time. You know, I can do church. I can do church good. I'm pretty trained. I'm a nice little trained puppy. You know, I can go through the hoops and all that. But when it all comes down to it, I need the Holy Spirit. You know, I thank God for the worship teams that, you know, they got tremendous skill, you know, and all that. But, you know, when it all comes down to it, they might not sound perfect, but, oh, they feel good. Come on. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather feel a worship scene rather than hear a worship scene. And I am just so thankful, you know, that that the Holy Spirit enables us and empowers us to do what God has called us to do. Without him, we're nothing. You know, we're just blowing smoke. We're just, we're just going through the mechanics. We need the Holy Spirit, and we cannot serve God without him. Amen? You know, this is so important. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of Christian churches have, have, have neglected the need of the Holy Spirit. They have put their services and programs you know, in, in times or not like this timer, but, you know, we understand that. But, like, everything's, like, rehearsed. Everything's like a presentation rather than, you know, uh, an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I know for my church and your church, our endeavors that you have an encounter with God. We want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And just like Francis Chan wrote that book, The Forgotten God, talking about the Holy Spirit, how many have forgotten about the Holy Spirit. Oh, I know it's spooky. I know it's kind of, I don't, we don't want to go there. I don't understand. But let me tell you, I am a person that relies totally, utterly on the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I encourage you. I encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to take you places you've never been. When you start doing things you don't know how to do and cannot do and do, then you know you're used of God. But when you do things that you know how to do and you do well, amen? Because Paul was called as a Hebrew scholar, Pharisee of Pharisees, God calls him to the Gentiles. To go do something he could not do. Yeah, I know some of you guys can reach your own kind. 
How about reaching out to someone that you never thought you can reach out to? Well, I don't know about that. I, don't, I can't relate. Well, Jesus related to us. Amen. And we were sinners and he was righteous. Amen. So you can relate to bikers. You can relate to gang members. You can relate to white people. Hello. Come on. <laughs> because of Jesus in you and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. I'm done with my spiel. <clears throat> Excuse my voice. Um, but anyways, uh, thank you. Uh, oh, man, you guys have just an amazing staff that makes me feel so comfortable here. Uh, I mean, what, what a just housewarming. And they call, I mean, they text me yesterday. Hey, what kind of water you want? You want this, that? Would you like a plate? I mean, I'm like, wow, man, I guess I'm going to have to preach good. Amen. <laughs> Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 1. We're going to be opening up here. And the Bible says here, and I want to talk about this morning, the value that God has for you. Amen. I don't care where you've come, come from or what you've done. God has a tremendous value for you. And I believe it's important. And like I always say, I don't care what mama says. I don't care what daddy said about you. I don't care if you've been abandoned or whatever. God has a tremendous value for you. And when we understand that value, it's an amazing thing. It's a freedom that God gives us. Amen. See, now a lot of times we're looking for free, we're looking for acceptance from one another. Let me kind of give you just a little nugget to set you free. When you find this value that God loves you and, and values you, you're not looking for it in other people to value you. Let me say it this way. When I am free from myself, I am free from you. Let me say that again. When I am free for myself, and I value, and I know God values me, even though I, I can care less what you think of me because of me, then I'm free from me, and I'm free from you. Are you guys with me here? See, a lot of times we live in people's minds, what they think about us. The things we buy, the things we wear, the things we consume, all those things is about how am I going to look in this in other people's minds. What a bummer to live a life like that. Come on. So when we are free from ourselves, free from you. Amen? Come on. Amen. I don't know why I'm going there. Okay. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1, says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. I want you to notice something. Tax collectors and sinners drew near to hear him. It's talking about Jesus. The anointing of God and the Spirit of God was so strong in Jesus that even the sinners came and were attracted to him. You see, sinners are not repelled by your spirituality. They're attracted. That We are more spiritual than we are physical. And, you know, you have to realize that when a lot of times we think, keep that spiritual stuff in the church. Keep that spiritual stuff, you know, away because no, you're going to turn people off. No, 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 no. We know they're already off. They need to be turned on. And when we realize something that the Holy Spirit is moving in our lives and he's working through our lives like Christ, sinners, sinners will be drawn near to listen to you. They'll have, have an attraction because they have a spirit. They're made of spirit. Are you guys with me here? You see, even IRS agents will come to hear you. Are you with me? Even tax collectors and sinners came to hear him. Imagine that. So don't ever think that your spirituality is a turnoff. 
Your spirituality is all we got to win people to Christ. It wasn't anything that we've done, but the Holy Spirit draws people. The Bible says in the Greek, draw means drags them. One step beyond physical force is the Holy Spirit working in you, dragging people to Christ. Come on. Amen. I don't know why I'm going there. Okay. Verse 2, and the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Don't get so busy with church that you forget to receive sinners. So he spoke this parable to them because they murmured. So he goes, well, let me show you what heaven's about. Let me show you the heart of my father. Because they forgot. They forgot all. They forgot that they were given the oracles of God to bring the truth to the world. And here they're going, oh, my God, look at him. He's he's receiving sinners. Isn't that what they were there for? Sometimes we lose our purpose. Sometimes we lose our mandate. And we lose our place. And the Bible says, Jesus says in verse 4, he says, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Listen to this. He says there's a hundred sheep, and he leaves them behind to go after that one. Ninety-nine, he goes after that one. You might say, well, there's so many people in, in this population. Who am I? What difference does that make? God sees us, and he knows everything about us, every hair on our head, and he values us. Even you might think you're lost in the crowd. And the Bible says that he'll, uh, he'll go into the wilderness. He'll go to where you're at. He won't just call you and expect you to show up. He'll go to you. He will invade your life because he values us. And the Bible says when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Listen to this. Jesus is saying, look, this is what it's all about. You're murmuring about me relating with sinners. We found them. And heaven right now is rejoicing over them. Look at verse 7. I say to you likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents over than over 99 persons who need no repentance. What can a man give in exchange of his soul? Jesus put the value of a soul. The value of one soul is greater than all the riches of the world. What, how can you trade that? So the value of your soul When we look at the value of one soul, and the Bible says that when one repents, all heaven rejoices. Listen to me, there's no other scripture for heaven to rejoice. Not because we sang the nice songs, not because we preached a nice sermon, not because you read your Bible today, not because you came to church today. No, 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 no. It's when a sinner repents, then there's a party in heaven. We've kept heaven quiet too long. Are you with me here? You want to make, I mean, you want to make heaven loud and proud? Come on now. There's only one way. Sinners coming to Christ. Amen. That's when we really had church. Amen. Come on. Somebody say amen. This is a beautiful picture of the heart of God. He goes after the lost, goes into the wilderness and finds a lost soul. And when he finds it, he, he, he puts it on his shoulders and he walks it home. Listen to this. When you are born again, it is no effort of yourself. Just like when you were born naturally. I mean, you didn't help your mama. Mama did all the pushing. Amen. You didn't say, well, thank you. You know, you're welcome, mom. Because, you know, I got, I climbed out. You didn't climb out. You didn't know what to do. <laughs> Come on. I don't know if you came. 
bottom first or top first. Otherwise, but mama pushed you. Mama did all the bearing, all the caring. And in the same way, when you're born again, you didn't help God. There was nothing you can do. He did it all. It was all his work of grace. And not only that, his work of grace and all his work that he does to bring us home. And he brings us home. And you know what? The Bible says that after all the works that we have done, we're going to stand before the throne of grace. And we're going to take those crowns that we, in a sense, earned. And we're going to put them and lay it at his feet. Because we're going to realize he did everything. Amen? He did everything. So, look at this. We're going to go to another type of passion. For the lost, but not so not so the lost in the wilderness, but listen to this, the lost in the house. God is concerned about the lost in the house as much as he is concerned about the lost in the wilderness. And as I break this down, I want to kind of type it to the woman here in Luke chapter 15, verse 8. We're going to go in Luke chapter 15, verse 8 through 10. And the woman can represent the Holy Spirit who searches out for the lost coin, and we can be represented as that coin. So this woman is going to start looking for a coin in the house. Now, we have to understand there's a great value. You're in the house, and God values you. Listen to this. God does not value you for what you do. He values you for who you are. Amen? So just be free right now, okay? Just be free. You know what? There's no sonority. You know, even there's no sonority in the sense that even God calls people that have labored 99 years and somebody who got saved on their deathbed. Same reward. Isn't that amazing? Come on, amen. Because it all comes down, you broke the tape. You got in, amen, one way or another, amen. By the grace of God, as, as Peter says, by the skin of our teeth. Oh, what woman, Luke chapter 15, verse 8, look at this passion. What woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it, and when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. See, the reason for this type is that it was something that was in her possession at one time, but for some reason slipped away or fallen. And the only way for us to be effective and properly used in the kingdom of God is to be found and used by the Holy Spirit. See, let me just say, the only ones that God won't use are the ones that don't show up. The ones that are not part of the equation. God, use me. God, use me. Then show up. Be ready. Be like Isaiah. Here am I, God. Send me. Here am I. I'm here. Roll call. Come on, amen. Roll call. You want to preach one day? You feel called to preach? Study to show yourself to prove unto God. Amen? Not unto me, not unto the pastors, unto God in that secret place. And then he'll give you that opportunity, amen, to be used in that capacity. Amen? Oh, God's good. Come on. Now, man, my voice, I'll tell you, I'm glad I'm not here to sing. But, you know, when I do sing, God really moves. He moves right on out. I leave that to my kids and my wife. (laughs) Amen, I'll tell you. And I don't know when he comes back, but anyways, I think when I'm done. Okay. 
The Bible says here, we look at this, in the lost coin, it was very precious to her. This coin was very precious. The poor woman who for uh, uh, her, the worth consisted of 10 coins, but it was a great loss to one. It was loss that was really felt. Listen to me. You might think you're not important, but just one. The Bible says she had 10 coins, but that one she lost had great worth. And you have to understand, you have great worth. You have value. Everybody in this house, you might think, oh, no, I'm not important. I don't do this. I don't do that. I'm not in the limelight. I'm not in the glory cloud. But no, 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 no. We're all the body of Christ. We all are valued by God. Again, not by what we do, but who we are. Amen? Now, I want you to understand that, that the Holy Spirit, in the same way like this one woman who felt the loss, the Holy Spirit feels loss in the house. He knows when a heart grows cold and gets lost in the shuffle of the house. Listen to me. You can be in ministry. You can do ministry. You can be involved in all kinds of ministry and still be lost in the house. You could come to a time where you're, you're serving, but your heart's not there. You're singing, but your heart's not there. It's just lip service. You're going through the mechanics, and it's so easy to be lost in the house just because, well, because of the shuffle of ministry. You and I are a great value in the eyes of the Holy Spirit. And on the coin, if you had a coin, an American coin, you know that on that coin it bears the image of a president, image of a leader, or in the back in the times of Jesus, it bore the image of the king. It was a coin. Such are the souls of the redeemed by Christ. It is in the estimation of the Holy Spirit. We bear the image of the holy God. God stamped his name upon us. We're like that coin. He put that identity in us, that nature within us. When the spiritual realm sees us, he see, they see the, the seal of God on us. They see who we are. Remember that when they try to cast out that devil, and that devil says in the book of Acts, he says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? Oh, the spiritual realm sees us. They recognize us. They know whose are his. Amen? And I know today we live in a day where there's a lot of confusion about identity. Well, in the Christian realm, in the church, there should be no confusion who you are. You're a child of God. But all in the world, they have no idea who they are. They got this gender, that gender. I mean, 27,000 genders. You know, they don't even know. I never thought it would ever come to a place in our society and culture that emotions override science. And you know when guys come up to me and they identify as a woman? Like I did this morning, I just do it this way. No, nope, you're a man. No matter with all the science, all the DNA, all the, everything they try, whatever they try to manipulate, a woman will always smell like a woman, thank God. And a man will always smell like a man. Man, I've seen some beautiful women pass me in Vegas, and we went go visiting in Vegas, and it wasn't a woman. I was like, dang, I know that smell. I, I've, I've been in the locker rooms. Come on now. I go, that just like the gym locker room. Man, that guy's name might be Jamie, but you know what I'm talking about. They're confused because they think their sexuality is their identity. 
They think, no, that they, they think because I do this, that's my identity. And, and there's all these different identities. I'm this. And so they, so they value themselves and they identify themselves by their behavior. No, listen to this. You are a child of God. I can't help the world. I can't help the world understand these things. But when you become a Christian, and I love it, even when we have in our church people that have been trans and people, and people that are lesbians and they come to Christ, they come to church, it might be a couple of months, three months, but they get the revelation. They realize, you know what? I now know who I am in Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of the King. Amen. And even all their life, they thought they were a man trapped in a woman's body. Listen to me. This is nothing. This is going to go. All this is going to go. And you know what? It's very interesting. In heaven, there's neither female nor male. Hello, in the kingdom of God, we understand that. There's neither bond nor free. And so it doesn't really matter when we get into heaven. We're not going to be given in marriage. Some of you guys are going, bummer. Man, those Mormons told me I was going to have all kinds of wives. Yeah, they were lying to you. Amen. And just like Islam, they tell you, you know, you blow yourself up, we'll give you 72 virgins. Yeah. But I think lost in translation, I think it was a 72-year-old virgin. I don't know. Something like that. But But as the body of Christ, we do not, we do not have any confusion. Because of our identity. We have been born again. We have the seal of God. We have the nature of God in us. We have the king of the universe inside of us. The hope of glory. Amen. Can you say amen, church? So we know we're not confused. Amen. Oh, God's good. I feel better. You see, we are precious to him. And fit for the circulation in the interest of the kingdom of God. Listen to this. Every nation of the world develop its own currency. Now, I travel all over the place, and I, I don't like going to Europe because sometimes the dollar's not as strong over there. You know, we buy a soda here for probably a couple of dollars. Over there, it's like 4 or $5. You're like, man, my money's going quick. But then you go to the Philippines, and, you know, man, your dollar's strong. Man, you can buy all kinds of stuff. I mean, feed everybody, you know, for just like 5 bucks. So we know that every nation has its own currency, has its own value. And that's how it is. You're the coin in the kingdom of God. And the world will not give you its full value. In the world, you're depreciated. But in the world, you, but in Christ, you are appreciated. Are you with me? Amen. You have great value because you're that coin. So the woman who lost that coin, she went crazy. She was loca on the cabeza. You know what I'm saying? Until she found that coin. You ever been there before when you lost something? You just can't find it. I'm not, I'm not giving up till I find it. I know it's right here. I know. Then you finally find it in your back pocket. You know what I'm saying? But this is the reality of this woman's passion. And this is a type of the Holy Spirit. He will not give up till he finds us. Amen. And he understands our value. So I want you to understand that the world will use you and abuse you and spit you out. But in Christ, you have great value. Amen. Stay circulated in the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Psalms 100 verse 3, who we are, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Bible says in Hebrews 13, 21, that he makes us complete in every good work. Notice he's making us complete in every good work, not us, to do his will, working in you. Somebody say, working in you. 
what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Now notice something here. It is not us doing it that's pleasing him. It is him working in us to please him. I don't know how to please God. We don't know how to please God, but God does it through his Holy Spirit working in us. And you know what that says to me? He has value for me because he's working in me. He's working in you. If God is working in you, working in me, amen, he has value. He's investing in us, amen. The Bible says in Philippians that we're a good work. Come on, look at somebody and say, you're a good work. Come on, you're a good work. Come on, look at somebody and say, you're a piece of work. Come on, you're a piece of work. You're a piece of work. The capacity of the lost coin, it slipped out of her hand. So now she has no control over it. It is a sad, sad thing for anyone who has known what it is to be in the hand of the Spirit and then to slip out of touch with him through pride and unbelief. We know stories like Samson ended up blind and humiliated, one time used of God. Gehazi, prophet of God, ended up as a rotting leper. And Judas was left hanging. No pun intended. Amen. He was left hanging. One who was used of God. To be out of his hand is to be lost to him. The fall may have been for a moment, but the grief it created was intense. The Bible says not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you know when we don't allow the management of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we grieve him? You ever thought about that? I mean, we're, we're thinking about our own lives and what we want to do, but why, what if, can you imagine how our life would be that we would not want to grieve the Holy Spirit? Just for those that theologically uh, thinking here that the Holy Spirit does have a personality. The Holy Spirit does have feelings. Amen. Let's not grieve the Holy Spirit by our disobedience and our wanting to live our own life. Let us get back into the management of the Holy Spirit, amen, in our lives. Now, I want you to see something here. As we look at this, that it is, it is possible to be in the house of God, in the place of safety and privilege, and yet be lost to the management of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that? It reminds me of a story of a young man in the book of Acts 20. Eutychus. Somebody say Eutychus. What a weird name, huh? Eutychus. The Bible says in chapter 20 of Acts, who during a sermon that Paul was speaking had fallen into a deep sleep and fell from the third story to his death. The ironic thing about Eutychus is that his name means fortunate. He was, an, he was part of a fortunate church. He was part of a fortunate ministry. He sat under a fortunate pastor, Paul the Apostle. He was listening to a fortunate sermon and yet fell three stories to his death. See, I always say it this way. It's that it's best for us to sit deeper in the body of Christ than hang around by the window with one foot out and one foot in. Because when we sleep, we slip to our death. And you can be name fortunate. Amen? Come on, church. Come on, amen. See, 
We are, and Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So let me just say this. So as we are coins lost in the house, I don't know about you, but when we ever lose coins and you're broke, I've been there, I need a latte. You know what I'm saying? And so I got to collect. I mean, it's Thursday, payday's Friday, and I'm scratching and, and, and whatever, you know, and I'm looking for some coin, some coinage for my little addiction, you know, vitamin C, coffee. And, and so where do we find the coins? In the cushions. Come on, we pull up the pouches apart in our car. I mean, little lollipops that have, that have been half-eaten, potato chips, corn chips, I think. I don't know, maybe they're nails that we've clipped. But anyways, we're like digging. Oh, a quarter, another quarter. Oh, a dime. Amen? But that's how we are in the house of God. We're stuck in the com comfy cushions of the house. We're stuck in beneath somewhere where it's, where it's hidden, somewhere we like to hide. We come to church and we sit in the same old seat. I'm sorry. Come on. Same old Sunday. Same old sermon. Hello. Are you with me? We're just kind of whatever. And, you know, we're in that couch. No, nowhere to be found. We're forgotten, per se, but not by the Holy Spirit. This is where we're found. We need to come out of that comfort zone. We need to come out from the cushions, amen, and be seen. Come on. Now, as we look at this, we are lost to its usefulness. When we don't come out, if we're not allowing God to make us a vessel of honor, we are lost to its usefulness. Not only you can be lost in the house of God, but lost to your own usefulness, lost to your destiny. As long as the silver coin was not in the hand and at the disposal of this woman, it was lost to all the good it might do. See, that's what I'm saying here. You are so valued because God has a plan for you. Me? Yes. God has a tremendous plan for everybody here. You can only do what God has called you to do, and I can't replace you, and you can't replace me. Are you with me here? Moses said, send Aaron. God said, I can't speak. Send Aaron. He sends Moses. Because nobody else can do it but Moses. Are you with me here? Come on. So as we look at something here. So we are. So if we are not in the hands of the Holy Spirit, all the good that can be done with our lives, if managed by the Spirit of God, all, that, all will be lost and lost to its usefulness. Our lives will be wasted, and it's only wasted to the glory of God that can be used through our lives. Now I want you to notice as I'm closing here, David, King David's prayer. I want you to see this prayer of restoration. We know that King David was a worshiper. King David was a man after God's own heart. But there was a time we know the story. You know what? He got lost in the house. He went out to the balcony of the temple, sees this woman bathing, and then calls her up. And we know the story. Conspires to, to murder, gets her pregnant, and tries to hide the sin. He was lost in the house. He lost his way in the house. And yet, he was playing the part. I'm king. I'm anointed. I'm this. So someone called him out and he repented. In Psalms 51, we see this. In Psalms 51 verse 12, listen, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. He prayed for restoration. Listen to me, coin in the house. You need restoration. 
You don't need agitation. I hope it doesn't come that way. You need restoration. But I want you to see something here that is so crucial. As we look at this, he gets restoration for what? For him to feel good? For him to be fine? For him to have everything in order? No. Look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. Then, someone say then. I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners shall be converted to you. When we lose our place in the house, we lose our place in evangelism. When we lose our place in the house, we lose the very point of what we're doing. It's all about redemption. It's all about souls. You see, so he says, restore me. And he comes back, no, restore me as the anointed king. I want to play the harp better than anybody else now. I want to do, no, 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 that's not what he was asking. He says, you restore me, God, and I will teach transgressors their way. Because that's what I was born to do. That's what I was supposed to be doing in the first place. And sinners will be converted to you. And didn't God save us to get others saved? Don't get lost in the house. Don't get lost in the shuffle of your life that we lose and we get lost to the usefulness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why did he fill us with the Holy Spirit? He says, wait. He says, wait for that promise. And then the Bible says that he says, I'll give you this promise, Acts 1.8. And he says, then you will be witnesses unto me, unto Judea. So he didn't even give the Holy Spirit until he made it very clear that I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Then you'll be witnesses for me. Why do we want this Holy I mean, we just had the Holy Spirit moving in a mighty way this, this morning through worship. Amen? What was that to do? To restore you to go get sinners. That's just how it is. To get you to such a spiritual place that you realize anybody who has had a spiritual revival in their lives always go back to the Great Commission. Amen? Come on, are you with me here? Come on. <clears throat> I'm almost done here. How do we get found when we're lost in the house? I want you to see something, the passion of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, if you can put it up there. Luke chapter 15, verse 8. And I'm going to close with this. Are you there? Verse 8. Or what woman? Verse 8. If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it. I want you to see the passion of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says here that she lights a lamp. She loses a coin, she lights the lamp because she probably, she probably lost the coin in the, mor in the middle of the morning, but it's in the afternoon. She's still looking. It's 3 o'clock. She's still looking. It's 4. It's 5 o'clock. It's evening now, and she's still looking, so she lights a lamp. This is the passion of the Holy Spirit. As long as you come to this church and you want to be comfy in the couches of this church, the Holy Spirit will not give up on you. The Holy Spirit will keep on searching, keep on reminding you, keep on speaking to you. It might even be in the midnight time of your life. You know what blesses me so much? There's so many people that have found Christ, amen, at the midnight. You know what? You told them about Jesus, told them about Jesus, but at the midnight hour, amen, because the Holy Spirit never gives up. And in this house, Holy Spirit will never give up on you. And he will, even if he has to light a lamp in the darkest times, in the darkest hours of your life. Then the Bible says she not only lights a lamp, but she sweeps the house. And I, I know one thing I've taught my kids how to sweep. Some of you are like, oh, that's abuse. 
I taught my kids how to sweep. They can, and you can tell a person who can how, knows how. You give a youth a broom, you know how to use it. You know, you know they've been taught how to sweep. But I taught them you got to move the furniture. You got to get behind all that stuff. Come on, you got to clear the dead bodies. Come on now, amen. You know what I'm saying? You got to make sure and move stuff around. The Bible says she swept the house. And probably knowing that culture, she had to move things around. Listen to me. When we try to stay comfy, you know what? Your house might be swept. There might be some disruption. I remember I'm trying to kick back, watch the game, and there's my grandmother, my awalita. She always wants to clean, and she's moving stuff. Come on, I'm watching the game. You know, she's like moving stuff, disrupting. And you know what? That's what God will do. He might just disrupt your life. Amen. He might move things around because he's trying to get your attention so that you may be found. And I've learned something that not to just kind of, oh, whatever, God, whatever. The Bible says fall on the rock before it falls on you. Don't wait for the disruption. Don't wait for the agitation. I learned that when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, I'm ready to jump. Okay, I'm on it. Amen, you don't got to tell me twice. A lot of times we wait till all hell breaks loose. Amen. Not that God is trying to do this in your life, but he, you know what? Some things are going to be rearranged and he's going to go on. Amen. And you better get with the program. Amen. Come on. Are you with me here? He's sweeping the house. And the Bible says, searches carefully until she finds it. So this is so important in our lives, in this disturbance. So at crucial times, we need to use our faith. Hard times, we seem to you exercise our faith. But if you don't want to be lost in the house, let your faith always be in constant operation. Faith puts your life in the hands of God to circulate the value that he has put in you. So I will say it again. The world will depreciate your value, but Christ appreciates it. Amen? And you know your value goes up. Your value is already set, but your value goes up in you when you realize your value. Amen? I know there's a lot of people tripping out that, you know, when you get blessed, don't ever, and this is a word, I don't know why God gave, gave it to me this morning before I got here. There's some of you, don't be guilty for being blessed. Some of you, God's going to bless you, and you're going to feel guilty about it. You know why? Because people are going to be upset about it. Listen to me. Blessed in the Greek means this, to be envied. Job was blessed, and who envied him? The enemy, the devil. Oh, he's doing that because you. Amen? Oh, he's blessed. She's blessed. That's okay. That's okay. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. Because you know what? Blessed means to be envied. Sorry, I'm highly favored. Sorry. That's, you know, you deal with it because I'm enjoying it. Come on, amen. Come on, church. I know there's this privilege, that's that privilege, but there's Christian privilege. Come on, there's Christian privilege because we serve an amazing Father that values us, that values us. Amen. As I close with this last thought, my son wrote a song called Surround. And it was just an amazing time as so we get ready to close here. And I get ready with that song. I don't know if you have that. And I, I just want you guys to stand with me to this morning, this afternoon. I hope I didn't go that long. Yeah, this afternoon. And one of the things that 
we can try to do is run from God. But David said it so well. If I run here, how can I, how can I dodge your presence? How can I run from your presence? If I go to the depths of the parts of, of the earth, you are there. If I go here, you're there. We can't run from God. And I was always told as a young convert, every time you try to run from God, you run right into him. You know what? In all of you, you're all part, just like me, we're all part of the setup. We got set up. You didn't find God. He set you up. Look back at the time you came to Christ, how crucial and fragile that was. You could have just made one small little degree decision not to, not to respond, but you did. But if you didn't, you wouldn't be here today. You got set up. He set you up. He goes after you. We call sometimes like the Holy Spirit working. It's like the hound dog of heaven. You heard probably your pastor say, hound dog of heaven will come and sniff you out. Amen. He will find you. Come on. You can hide your wife, hide your kids. He will find you. (laughs) And no matter, no matter what we go through in our lives, we're surrounded. So my son was at the altar and he's praying and singing on the keyboard and doing some worship just and spontaneous. And the Lord gave him this song that we're about to listen to. And the people came up just just as a as they came up, these are people that are just making a commitment, saying, "God, I'm gonna stop running from you. I'm gonna stop, you know, you know, dodging you, trying to avoid you." And as they were coming up, this sound, this song talks about being surrounded. No matter where you go, the Spirit of God just goes and flows, and He surrounds us. He bids, He builds a hedge around us. He surrounds us wherever you're going. When you leave this building, you're surrounded. Amen. You're surrounded by a host of heaven. You're surrounded by the presence of God everywhere you go because you are valued. And in the spiritual realm, they feel you. Here you go. Ah. And when you sense evil, when you sense evil in some areas, you need to see what I, I say this. You feel me? You feel me? Amen. Because Christ in us surrounds us. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.